Are you scared? Are you scared? From my own observance of human nature, there's so many things to be scared of. I'm scared to say. So many things to be scared of. Fear is a huge motivator. What scares you? What scares you might not scare me and vice versa. Some are scared of dogs. Some are scared of cats. Some are scared of authority. Some are scared of sunshine. Some are scared of school or people, etc., etc., ad nauseum. I mean, there's so many things to be scared of in this world. To speak about this subject, I had to narrow the topics down to to one category, the category I knew most about, the spiritual. And still the fears are in the hundreds, even thousands. I mean, spiritually speaking, are you scared of your future? Spiritually speaking, are you scared you're not going to heaven? Are you scared you're going to hell? Are you scared you're right? Some people are scared they're right. Are you scared you're wrong? Are you scared you're not doing enough? Are you scared you're doing too much? Are you scared you don't believe? Or maybe you're scared you didn't obey. Maybe you thought you obeyed, but maybe you're scared you didn't obey. We've all had fears like these from time to time. We are scared about the people in our lives. We are scared of our, for our friends and our children and our family and our spouse. It's, it's a fear deep within ourselves, a, an unhealthy fear, many times in, in unhealthy doses, that keeps us from our full potential as Christians. Deep in ourselves, we have insecurity, a feeling that something bad's going to happen. At times, we feel helpless. The, that there, there's the feeling that there's nothing that you or, or anybody else can do. A helpless feeling. Much of this insecurity and helplessness is felt alone in a self-imposed isolation where even in a crowd we feel like there's no one. If you have lived any amount of time at all, you've got physical, emotional, and spiritual scars. These we have received in the past and because of the actions and mindsets of ourselves or those around us, we are scared of our scars, the unknown. We're scared of it. But I want to tell you this morning that, that the unknown, that the scar that you're scared of, the unknown is known. The unknown is known. We don't have to live in constant fear. Winston Churchill said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, 
most of which never happened. Fear grips our lives. The unknown, though, is known, and we don't have to fear the scars or the past or today. And if you're scared, I want to help relieve your mind. If you're not scared, I want to give you tools to use so in the future, when you are scared, you'll have something to work with. And if you're still scared at the end, I want to tell you of the ability that's, that you already have not to be scared. It's my prayer that you will take advantage of this ability today that's been afforded to you. In God's holy word, we are reminded time and time again of how to handle our past, our present, and our future sins so that we can know that we are secure and we don't have to be afraid. One of the most beautiful and poetic scriptures that we can find dealing with this subject is found, if you would please turn your Bibles to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, it has been discovered, was written after Psalm 51. It's good to have a rudimentary understanding of Psalm 51 and the events that led up to its writing so that Psalm 32 can be appreciated even more. Because Psalm 32 deals with a scar from the writer's past that was dealt with successfully, we will use it as our form today in this sermon. The Apostle Paul quotes the first two verses of Psalm 32 in Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, when Paul is explaining that King David's faith justified him and God made him righteous. David needed to be righteous or right with God because there was a time when he was not. There was a time when he was not right with God. In the book of 2 Samuel, we read of David's lust, the lust that drove him to adultery, that drove him to cover up his sin and have killed the husband of his lover and then become a hypocrite at the telling of his own story. Yeah, David, David needed to be right with God. When his sin was pointed out to him, though, the, the king, as you see in 2 Samuel, repented. He was repentant and contrite. He even wrote his feelings down in, a, in the song that we call Psalm 51, which the writer begins with, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Here David writes that he wants mercy he wants to have a clean heart. He says that he, he's a sinner. He wants a clean heart and the joy of God's salvation restored to his life. He says, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Psalm 51 was the confession of David's great sin in his prayer asking God to forgive him. While if you'll turn to Psalm 32, it, it's a, it is according to one preacher, Psalm 32 is the record of the confession made 
the forgiveness obtained and the blessedness of his position as a son restored to his father's house. The first two verses of Psalm 32 do not disappoint. They tell us of the joy of forgiveness. Blessed is, the one, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Wouldn't that be wonderful for the scared to know that they are forgiven? The forgiven are blessed, as we see here in Psalm 32. The forgiven don't have to sneak around. There's no deceit in their spirit. The same word is used in in Revelation chapter 14 when the church of God is described as 144,000 virgins without fault, verse 5, and in their mouth was found no deceit, without fault. Without deceit, without fault before the throne of God. But we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. How can this be? What you think about someone and what God thinks about someone may be opposite. God forgives. You know, as as a preacher, I could commit a terrible sin. And you might say that I've lost my influence. But that's man's way of thinking. If I truly repent, God will forgive me. There will be no deceit anymore. If there's deceit in the room today at all, it's most likely in the form of silence. Today, silence is a curse. And if you are a sinner, silence is a sin. Look at verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Do you know someone who hates to admit when they're wrong? Why is everybody looking at me? Wait a minute. Could that someone be you? Why do you keep silent, sinner? Could it be pride? Could it be pride? We don't like to think we're wrong, do we? I'm not going to snivel, grovel. It's pride. John writes, the pride of life is a grievous sin. 1 John 2, verse 16. James says in James 4 verse 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The spirit of the proud is full of deceit and if you will not repent of sin, you are deceiving yourself. You have a low view of God's word. You have no self-respect, we like to say. Someone who respected themselves at least would get rid of the sin that entangles their life. If you respected yourself, if you had a high view of God's word. But if you have a low view of God's word, you'll be careless 
you'll be busy outwardly, but inwardly you'll endure the curse of silence. And you'll wonder why God is so mean to you. And you'll forget that His heavy hand means that He loves you. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Through the rebuking and the chastening, we know we are loved. And we can look back at our past and not be scared of the scars. We can use whatever we've learned to enjoy a better now and a better future. Like David, we need to be willing. Verse 5. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. As I was writing, a blue jay was outside my window. The jay screamed repeatedly at at some thief that was near its nest. But the golfers on the golf course couldn't do anything. They weren't going to let their clubs go to help that blue jay. I was riding. I wasn't going to get out of my riding time to go and help. No one but me could hear the cries and I could do nothing. Yet God cares even for this bird. God will take care of me, I thought. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. If I put Him first, God will make sure I have everything that I need. Psalm 32, verse 6. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you, In a time when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. When the godly pray, they will find God. Paul told the Athenians that God made man to find him. Acts chapter 17 verse 27. So that they should should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. God's not far. But like we were talking about in our class this morning, it's up to us to seek him. Seek God. Grope for God. If you're in the dark... Grope for Him and find Him. He's not far away. In literally the time of finding, even the flood, which, which no man can stop. You can't stop the flood. It will not come near you. You'll be safe. Verse 7, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the songs of of deliverance. Here we see the benefits of confession. David confessed and the Lord forgave. If you are a Christian, the Lord will forgive you too. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. If you confess, he will forgive. 
If you're not a Christian, God will forgive you if you obey because we've all sinned, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and the wages of sin is death, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, but God has given us the gospel, and if we obey the gospel, we will be saved. When we won't accept His gracious gift and we turn our back on His love, we show that we don't trust what He says. We don't trust His plan to save us. Your sinful life and the deceitful spirit within you are symptoms of a bigger problem. God is not in your life. Deal with the causes and, and, and trust in what God says. There's a value in trust. We don't trust God so many times. We don't trust His plan. We don't trust His promises. We don't trust His way. We don't trust His truth. We don't trust His life. Which leaves us insecure, helpless, and isolated. What will take you from insecurity to security? What will take you from helplessness to helpfulness? From isolation to the loving family that you've always been looking for. What will take you from that? David begs God in Psalm 51 verse 12, Restore me, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. David trusted God so much, he would be willing to tell others, teach others of God's ways. God forgave David and David trusted God. And if you want to go from insecure to secure, if you want to go from scared to unafraid, you've got to start trusting God yesterday. And like David, be ready to tell everyone of the value of trusting God. Look at verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. I, I'm asking you, Fountainhead, I'm asking you, don't be like the horse. Don't, don't make me come after you. Don't make the elders have to chase you down. Have understanding. Come here. Come closer. Come on. Come closer. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. Verse 10, Many sorrows will be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright of heart. You must trust God. As a Christian, you have every reason to trust God. The Christian is very secure. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. 
because we are very secure in God. We don't have to be insecure. The Christian has great help. I mean, Romans chapter 8, verse 13, if God is for us, who can be against us? We are not helpless. I serve a big God. I serve a mighty God. And when you're a Christian, you never have to be alone. Never. God is always there. A Christian is never alone. Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 28 verse 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the Hebrew writer, he quotes God's promises to Jacob and, and Moses' promise to God, to, to Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? As Christians, we are secure. We are not helpless. And we are never alone. If we are a Christian, we need to act like it. For those who have put Christ on in baptism, if you're scared, the remedy is complete. Trust in God's ability, His plan, His promises. God has the ability to save us. Don't worry, Jesus says, John 14, verse 1. Don't let your heart be troubled, he says. Believe in God. In me, Jesus said, God has this all worked out. Trust in his ability. Have Paul's attitude, Philippians 4, 13, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens the Christian. Trust in God's plan. Jesus said again in John 14 verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 26, Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit would teach and remind them of all things. And when he comes, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John chapter 16, He will convict the world of sin. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He told the disciples, and the Holy Spirit did just this in Acts chapter 2. And with power, Peter preached the first gospel sermon, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to the people there. And when they understood this for the first time, they asked what to do. And Peter told them, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. This is God's plan for you. Do you trust it? If you've obeyed it, don't waver in your trust, but tell others. Like David, be ready to, to go out and tell others and teach others about this saving gospel. If you've not obeyed, trust God and obey God. Trust God's ability and plan to save you through the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. And trust in God's great and precious promises. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4. That God's peace that passes understanding. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. That if we as Christians sin but confess. Romans chapter 1 verse 9. Excuse me. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. That we trust the promise that He is faithful and just to forgive. If we trust this promise... We'll be trusting what God has planned and in His ability. 
Stop living in your past sins. Stop it. They are keeping you from your full potential as a Christian. They're keeping you, keeping you from your full potential to be a Christian. You search and you try to find your worth in this world, but you've forgotten that Jesus overcame the world. John chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus overcame all, it says. Therefore, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. What what should we do? What should we do to, to trust God's ability, to trust His plan, to trust His promises? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Psalm 32 shows someone doing just what Paul wrote, fearing God, trusting God, in His ability, in His plan, in His promise. Let's squeeze every drop of knowledge from Psalm 32. We have just a few minutes left. There's still, still, still more meat on the bone, as we like to say. If we want to trust God more and stop being scared, take these practical steps that are on the screen. Number one, read your Bible. Verse 8, David was going to instruct the hearer of the song in God's ways. We understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number two, if you want to trust God more, have hope. Verse 10, to be ready to defend that hope. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. If you want to trust God more, the obvious is verse 6. Pray. The godly pray. That's what verse 6 says. You know, we were singing, we were exhorting one another in song this morning. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Just a few pages over, we, 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 we exhort each other with a song. Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will, will change the night today. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. It's, it's that simple. Prayer will help you. Trust God. Number four, be flexible. Verse nine, don't be like a mule. Inflexible. Proverbs 26 verse 3 says, A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. If you want to just keep on getting beat on and beat on, keep acting like a fool. Be flexible. Be flexible. Verse 5, focus on the good. Psalm 32 verses 1, 5, and 7. David focuses on the blessing, the the covered sin, the, the hiding place with God is what he focuses on. Not his insecurity, helplessness, and total isolation. David uses the the past to find his strength. He sees the scars and he, he sees not the pain that brought the scars, but how tough they are because he overcame with God's help. Focus on the good, the the lovely, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. 
If you want to trust more, number, number six, be, be content, verse 11. Be glad in the Lord. Quit wanting what the world has to offer. Be grateful for what you do have. Number seven, quit messing around and ask God for forgiveness. Quit messing around. You've got to be scared. You've got to be scared if, if you've got this sin on you and you know it. You've got to be. Verse 5, acknowledge your sin. Say you are a sinner. Quit lying. 1 John chapter 1, verse 10. Quit lying. You're a sinner. Wash away your sins. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Repent. What are you waiting for? If you've never obeyed or you are living in sin, you must be scared. You must be deathly afraid. If you are, you must put the past behind you. You need what God has. Trust Him. Don't, don't be scared anymore. Walk down the aisle. Be saved today. As together we stand and sing.